Um, and our condolences go out to the family. You know, Dennis was a, uh, a personal friend, went to school with him, uh, followed him through life. Uh, he and I used to be in the fire department together. We serve now on the Alaska Committee together. He's, he's an amazing public servant. He's done so many things right here at the radio station. You know, he was the uh, uh, famous for his problem corner appearances and running this program. Um, I'm just totally sad. And I could tell I could I could talk about Dennis all day long, but um, condolences to the family and and uh, I'm sorry to hear this. Thank you, Craig, for sharing that. So, you ready to move along? I suppose. Well, yeah. Let me take just a couple of deep. You know, there was no cups out by the water this morning. Now I really need a drink oh, of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that is that is just terrible news. I mean, uh, I'm just going to repeat: uh, the state and the city and and all of his friends lost a great man, and uh, um, it's one of the reasons that we. Uh, Awarded Dennis Lifetime Achievement Award three years ago, and uh, well deserving. And um, and I'm sure as the days go on, you'll probably hear many of Dennis's antics over the years. And uh, I can just say that uh, we're going to miss him. So we've lost a giant. Yeah. Okay. Let's go for it. <laughs> well, on to some business. Perhaps he talk about he talked about at one point the Constitutional Convention. Uh, now. When I was at a chamber luncheon, you had announced that uh, you have officially took in the stance of opposing a constitutional convention. Uh, first, what spurred that? Well, um, I have a variety of comments to make on this uh, today. Uh, it, this is an important issue that's coming up and that's, and that's facing us. And um, uh, our board went through the various pieces of information and the people we've talked to about this and we passed a resolution at the June board meeting opposing a constitutional convention and I think some of the more I'm going to say the broader reach comments on this is this constitution which was passed in 1956 has has actually been referred to as a model constitution it's a very well written document and it served as well since since that period of time and in each time that it has come up uh, to be considered, which is basically every 10 years, it has been unanimously voted down um, to not take place. Um, I think the concern at this point is, and it's not just a state of Alaska issue, but I'm going to, you could probably say that across our country, there's just a lot of unhappiness with government, a lot of frustrations with government. And, and there's certain special interest groups and topics that people feel like if we open up the Constitution and change these, that they can, we, we can fix some of these issues. Um, you know, the legislature already has a prescribed, it's right one of the first paragraphs, the legislature has the authority and the capacity to make changes to the Constitution, which they have done. Um, but if the, if the legislature can't agree on an issue, imagine what happens when we open this up to then go through the process of getting the uh, constituency and the population to, to vote for or against an issue. Um, I think one of the first topics that probably came up on this that started opening the, opening the topic of, of, uh, of this was the uh, PFD, 
yeah. putting something into the Constitution to uh, uh, establish uh, the amount of money that's there, the payment of the dividend. The problem is once you once you open the, we'll call it Pandora's box, once you have a constitutional convention, there's no restriction on what you can talk about. And, and I counted up from some of the notes and information that we've collected. There's already 18 different issues by special interest groups who see an opportunity to fix by trying to make changes to the Constitution. Um, first of all, it's a, it's a long and expensive process. It doesn't happen quick. Um, during that during that time, you basically send the state into a certain amount of uh, disarray and turmoil as people kind of question, well, where is the state going? Maybe I should or shouldn't invest in the state of Alaska. And it's... Uh, so I, th- I think that the question, certainly the people of Juneau should be concerned because, you know, when you talk about the list of things that could be changed in the Constitution, one of them would be the location of the capital of Alaska. Yeah, and so I wanted to dive into this with you because when when we're thinking about the things that are spurring 18 different special groups, and we've heard before the PFD, now what are some of the, compared to other past votes when this was taken this question was posed to voters and voted down what would you say is different now for this vote i think there's a i think there is a general dissatisfaction with the ability of our legislature to execute on on key issues i think the governor has certainly put some issues out there that said let's put some of these in the hands of the people i mean one of them that is circulating which which has come up multiple times is let the people vote on any tax increase and um that's probably not a good idea. Oh, in, in, no, in, no new taxes unless yeah, voter approved. Unless voter approved. Um, but there's a lot of other, um, I mean, there's things about banning wildlife. There's uh, narrowing the project, narrowing the restrictions on our uh, LBGTQ community. I mean, there's things that they want to put in the Constitution. Um, authorizing the annulment of different regulations and in, in, in building that into this process. And again, it, this, if you vote on it in November, if the voters were to vote on it, um, you're not even really going to get started till probably 2024. And then you're going to spend a minimum of a year to two in the process of, 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 of appointing delegates, appointing and selecting, um, bringing the issues up and weighing through the debate. And that's what we're concerned about, that during this period of time, people look at Alaska and say, we, don't, we just don't know where this state's headed. Uh, maybe we should put our investment dollar someplace else. If it's that important and we, and the case is strong enough, the legislature should be able to deal with the, with the specific issues. So, so that's why the chamber board um, took a position against it. You know, I want to I want to go up and say I am not a constitutional convention expert. Um, we have. Um, visited with and had multiple presentations by Bruce Batello, uh, who does an excellent job of, of describing the history and the reasons why this is not a good idea. And um, uh, we'll probably have Bruce up as a program, again, probably more than once as we as we approach November, the November election, and I'm sure we'll be vocal about it as well. So, so ultimately, you see the legislature is adequate to address some of these issues that are coming to the forefront as were I, I, I believe so. And yeah. I mean, we all might have our frustration with either how quickly or what the legislature is able to deal with. But if an issue is that important and there's enough backing from the constituency, um, the legislature has a mechanism and they should be allowed to use it. Very good. So 
you mentioned Bruce, and I saw that he'll be up as the next speaker. <laughs> yeah, well, what's, he, what's Bruce going to be talking about? So uh, we're going to have Bruce talk this week on um, rank choice voting. And uh, we had a presentation about a year ago, I think, on this as it, as it uh, was passed. Um, now the voters get a chance to try it out. And no matter how many times it's explained, there's always a look of confusion in the room. Uh, and as we're, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've all cast our ballots on the preliminary. And of course, the first thing they had to do was tell you only vote for one. Yeah. And you go, well, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to vote for four. You go, no, not this time. <laughs> so, so we've asked Bruce to come in and, and give a presentation. Um, and, uh, and I'll give a you know pitch for our weekly luncheons. Um, you can register at uh, junochamber.com. And we, we do ask people to register by Wednesday at noon because we want to keep our catering um, expectations uh, current with the moose so we know how many meals to serve. Anybody's welcome to come and uh, have coffee if nothing else. So, But it should be a good program, and uh, it it's, it's timely in terms of where we are right now on election cycle. Very good. Well, also joining Craig is President-elect John Blasco, and we'll have him talk after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back with the Juno Chamber. My apologies there, John. You were looking kind of lonely. So <laughs> glad you could join us. Yeah, I can sit and listen to Craig talk all day, too. Oh, well. <laughs> let's, let's have it be your turn. Tell us about this golf tournament. Yeah, no, thank you for having us on today. Uh, we're Chamber's excited. We're, uh, we're up to our eighth annual uh, golf classic that Chamber will be hosting. Uh, the event sponsored by the Juno Radio Center. So thank you uh, to Juno Radio Center for that. But um, July 30th will be our eighth annual golf tournament. It's a best ball scramble. And uh, we have a, a men's division and a women's division. And this year we actually are going to be uh, doing a cash prize for the top uh, first and second place winners um, for both divisions. So uh, trying to just a little bit more enticement to um, to teams to come out and compete for that. Uh, but, you know, it's a it's a wonderful day of golf uh, along with just networking and socialization. We've done it. We've been able to do it the last two years during the pandemic because we're outdoors and and people have been thankful for us to, to all get together. And, uh, you know, this year we're pretty excited because I think we have some of the largest potential prize uh, prizes that we've ever had for people to win. Um, Menahal Auto's looking to do a uh, the new Subaru Solterra, which is their first electric uh, vehicle. So that'll be a hole in one prize. And um, we've got airline tickets from multiple different airlines. We got cruises. We've got uh, pizza for a year uh, from Bullwinkles. I mean, you know, I mean, oh wow, <laughs> it's uh, the 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 list of prizes is pretty extensive this year. So we're excited. So there's also what we call the whole 10 challenge and you don't have to play in our golf tournament to participate. You can either, uh, you can just show up and you can try your chip shots to win coolers, uh, uh, tickets, uh, gift cards, many other prizes, or you can do what, uh, what'll be the closest to the pin, which is a hundred yards, uh, to try and win airline tickets and other things. So it, it's open to the public, not just the golf tournament, but, um, but that whole 10 challenge. So John, I'm, 
full disclosure, I'm not a golfer. What, what's a best ball scramble? Well, first off, you don't have to be a golfer to play in this. Well, we're uh, good. good. <laughs> so I even I could. I don't claim to be a golfer. I carry clubs around that uh, still have wood faces on the wood, so that's how old they are. Uh, thank you, Grandpa, for passing those along. Uh, best ball scramble, so you have a team of four, and uh, you play the best ball out of the four. You do have to use one uh, each person's ball at least once, but it's uh, it's the best ball of that shot. And mm. so you kind of you just keep moving your way, way along. Uh, the I mean, Mental Hall Golf Course, uh, thanks to the you know the family, the File family, and the Basher family to host us every year for that. Um, but it's a it's a wonderful golf course, nine holes, and you know hopefully the weather knocking wood is as beautiful as it's been here. Uh, you know you gotta you, you gotta like that hole in one pizza for a year. That's you know that's just intriguing, especially for these days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually wonder, would it be the tickets or the pizza that would cost more? Yeah. That was running through my yeah. mind. Well, thank you, John. Uh, if you want to keep uh, jumping in here, I wanted to pick it back up with Craig here because I wanted to ask what we've heard so far about this cruise season, anecdotally, at least of what you've heard. Yeah, I think that uh, the people that we've talked to directly, there's probably two common themes. I mean, maybe three. First of all, we're glad the ships are back. Um, while they not they are not all full, they are certainly at large enough capacity to make it feel like we're back in back in the visitor industry. Uh, I think the frustration is a lot of our retailers, especially those directly involved in the cruise industry, they're having trouble finding employees, and they're having trouble retaining employees. And there's a lot of competition out here right now for uh, for labor. Uh, not just in the visitor industry sector, but uh, you've probably heard a number of businesses offering um, cash incentives to come to work. So there's a lot of tug and war over the resources, which are limited. We don't, you know, they didn't all, not everybody returned this year. There's no shortage of help wanted signs. There's downtown, no shortage or, of help Or really any, anywhere in town yeah. I've seen. And I think this is, I mean, it's impacted uh, whale watching, uh, all the different tours that, uh, that, that the tourists have signed up to take. And I know at least two retailers where they're down themselves running the store every moment it's open because they just don't have enough employees to uh, to keep up. The second part, which is which remains to be a curiosity, is um, we still remain short of housing, and um, the people that did return were having trouble finding. Many of the companies were having trouble finding finding places for their employees to live. Um, as in more of a long-term, we'll call it a mid-term um, rental for, say, the, the entire summer. Um, there was a real shortage of that. We we actually met with the uh, U.S. Coast Guard Admiral. I had a good meeting with him, and at that point, he was explaining they had over 40 families uh, coming to Juneau as part of their J- June-July rotation. At the time we met with him, they were still they still had 19 families that didn't had not been able to locate housing, wow. and they were extremely concerned over that. Um, a problem they've not had in, in years past. Uh, we put them in touch with a number of um, realtors in town. Uh, I think when I checked uh, about a week ago, they were down to, I think, six or seven that they're still looking for. Um, but the question is, where do all the houses go? Um, where do all the employees go? Um, and, and we do know we've been impacted locally by um, um, one of the big hotels closing off and on during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's impacted the availability of some of the short-term housing. So the housing question has been a common topic in just about any meeting that we have, either with the city or among some of the chamber members. So, And 
over at the assembly, as I understand, they want to monitor the level of listings for Airbnbs. But it also leads to the question, is it, is it something that should even be regulated to begin with? Well, it's, it's an interesting topic in that I, would, I, I think I can safely say, having talked to some other people outside of Juno and in the industry, that many and most, um, I'll call it heavily cruise, heavily tur- visitor industry oriented, have had to deal with the Airbnb issue um, somewhere along the way. Uh, probably the two most recent examples is uh, Honolulu uh, going back in and modifying their rules. Um, South Lake Tahoe is another one. I happen to happen to have been involved uh, <laughs> renting an Airbnb down there when they were notified by um, the city that they had one year left to to be an Airbnb. Um, and and it gets down to what the cities have said is, you know, we approve this subdivision of, of families not to be rotated out every seven days, but to be, you know, certain a certain way. Mm-hmm. So when we rented this uh, this very nice home in uh, South Lake Tahoe, the rules were very strict. I mean, we couldn't park on the street. Cars had to be in the garage. No noise on the back deck after 9 p.m. Um, they wanted to be they wanted to be good neighbors in the neighborhood, but nonetheless, there was still a big push, and um, they've changed their rules considerably. I think Juno is probably behind the curve. Um, no one's trying to keep anybody from turning their home in and making making income off of it but there's a balance somewhere between um hotel availability long-term housing short-term housing and yeah i think the cbj is probably going to have to do something and plus we rely a little bit on short-term housing too when you think about it right like during the legislative oh absolutely there's a and 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 uh we want to get more independent travelers here but where are they supposed to go if they can't stay anywhere yeah it's um and of course, we're going to challenge ourselves here at the beginning of August. Oh yeah, uh, so <laughs> that's right, Iron Man. Ooh. Well, I appreciate you two being in. Is there anything either of you'd like to add before I close out the program today? I think we're good. We appreciate always appreciate the time and an opportunity to talk. Well, we appreciate you. Let us check in and and uh, again, our condolences out to the Egan family. A major loss. Thank you, too, for being here. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Well, that's the program. Thank you for tuning in this June 28th. We'll tune in tomorrow. I do not have my next guest on the script, but I will have somebody. I promise you that. This is Kevin Allen, Fraction Line, signing off.